Hey friends, welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Today's guest is one that's near and dear to my heart because he's impacted both mine and my husband's lives. You might recognize him as the author of Wild at Heart. John Eldridge is a best-selling author, a counselor, and a teacher. He's also president of Ransomed Heart, a ministry devoted to helping people discover the heart of God, recover their own hearts and God's love, and learn to live in God's kingdom. John and his wife, Stacy Eldridge, live near Colorado Springs, Colorado. John's latest book, Get Your Life Back, is one that brought peace into my life when I honestly didn't know how desperately I needed it. The app that goes with it is called the One Minute Pause, and it's been a life changer. I actually recorded this interview with John before COVID-19 hit, and I'm thrilled that I get to release it to you now, as I know that John's message will bring peace into your heart and life. So let's jump into that conversation I had with John Eldridge. Well, hey, John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rachel. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. I think I read your first book, Wild at Heart. How is that book 20 years old now? Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was my first book of yours I read. Then I read several of your wife's books. And my husband and I just absolutely love your ministry. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. And actually, well, we're going to get into this in a second. Something I like to do with my guests just right at the beginning is tell us one fact about yourself we would not read in your professional bio. Oh, that I'm a grandfather now, that oh. I've got three, three little ones. We've got a three-year-old, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and we've got one on the way. So, Well, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, we're loving it. It's yeah. really disruptive. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you are, you are, you were a counselor. Yes. So I I still do a little bit of therapy, but not much anymore because conversations like this are my joy and and teaching and writing is sort of where most of my life is now. Yeah. Well, I ask because I'm in grad school to be a therapist. So I always am kind of looking at people who are doing what I do and I'm like, how does that work out? I don't know. Just got my radar out. (laughs) Good for you. You'll yeah. be a great therapist. Thank you. I'm I'm loving all the courses so far. So I can see your background in your writing, in your counseling, and in the way you write and speak. So that's awesome. I okay. really try and reach people as if I were sitting with them. You uh, know, just, yeah. just either over coffee or, or in a session where we're just trying to understand our life and yeah. our story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can definitely tell that. So the thing we're talking about today, while I would love actually to talk to you about Wild at Heart, that's not the book we're talking about today. We're actually going to talk <laughs> about your newest book, which is also honestly equally as good. I have the privilege of having a, an advanced reader copy of that in my hands. And I will just tell you that that book has been therapeutic to me. It's been like just a healing balm for my soul. You know, I don't say that about a ton of books, but it's really does feel like I get excited to sit down with that book at night. It doesn't feel like, oh, great, one more thing to check off my list or, you know, you're not telling me all these things I need to go do. You're actually helping me pull back from some of the things I already do and let the Lord in to to my day. And and I have the app you guys created, which we're going to talk about that. And that's been awesome. So why don't I let you tell us a little bit about the book that's coming out right now? So it's called Get Your Life Back. 
everyday practices for a world gone mad. And Rachel, I actually didn't plan on writing this book. It really came out of my own need. Last couple of years, I just found myself running, running crazy and so much to do and lots of beautiful things coming my way, but lots of heartache and people in crisis. And I was just thin. I was stretched. I would come home most nights pretty fried. And I didn't like what it was doing to my soul. And then here's what happened. So it was the grandchildren that really was the warning flare. I found myself unable to be present to the people that I love for more than about five minutes. Mm. And then I wanted to check my phone, you know, look at my feed, look at the news, see what's going on in the grown-up world. I couldn't play with my grandchildren and be like totally there. And I'm like, whoa, something's going on with my soul. Some, the world is really pulling me. And I felt, I felt fragmented and I felt shallow and I didn't like it. And so I began asking Jesus, what do I do? I know, you, I know your word says you restore my soul, but how? Like, how are we going to do that? Because I really need some restoration. And he kind of took me on this journey. And after I was in it for about a year and a half, it's been so helpful that I thought, you know what? I think I need to share this with my friends. I think these things are going to be super restorative. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful you did because it was interesting. You know, I love how the Lord works and just how simple acts of obedience like you saying, hey, I need to do something for myself. And then you took the next step and saying, OK, let's put this into book format so other people can, you know, glean from this as well. But I remember the week that I got the book in the mail, I had actually just recorded a solo podcast episode called Real Talk About My Instagram Addiction. And um, God had been. Right. <laughs> I know it's funny, but God really just. He just he's led me on this journey of of getting away from social media more and being more intentional. But it was interesting when I took away Instagram from my phone, I noticed, oh, wait, it didn't solve my problem because I was still going to my smartphone. I was still, you know, I was still going for that fix. And 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 same thing, like you just said, my soul it just was not the same. I was snapping at my kids. I was like, you know, being annoyed when, you know, husband came home and I'm like, well, I'm in the middle of a text or whatever, you know, and, and like you said, it's like that wake up call where you go, there's something wrong with the way in which I'm living my life. So your book came around the time whenever I was going through that. And so that was a, a just really neat that God brought that resource into my life. So I'm sharing that with you. So you know that I am just excited to sit back and watch what God does with this book and the people listening, you know, as they're able to read it and glean from it as well. It's going to be amazing. So one thing I want to ask you, you know, I mentioned about my Instagram addiction. What do you think that social media has done to our souls? Well, first, let's be kind and let's acknowledge it, it did a lot of good. Most of us don't live near our friends. Sometimes our friends are actually, you know, like in another country or some of our best friends are cities away. And it, family and sharing photos and you know we don't we don't live in rich community anymore you know what what was life a hundred years ago is just you know again the pace of life the amount of technology the things being asked of us we don't have rich relationships and so i understand it i really get the longing for connection but the thing is this so there's all this research coming out now that's showing a direct correlation between depression anxiety envy 
and your social media use. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second, time out. This was supposed to be good. And, and it's actually turning out to really not be good for our souls, particularly the amount of time we're spending on it. Because the more time that you spend in technology, the less time you have to be with real people and real things and even to create some space for God. And so I think it's a, it's kind of part of the bigger picture that we just don't have room in our lives to be human. Read a book, play an instrument, plant a garden, take a walk, play with your dog. You know, like we just, making a meal feels like a hassle, right? Like let's just get takeout or I'll grab a chicken on the way home or, you know, we'll just do what we can. And so the social media piece, I think Rachel fits in this larger thing of, we don't have room to breathe anymore. And I want that back, and I want that back for my friends. Yeah, that's so good. And I'm curious, like you said, it's so powerful. Like, So I know, speaking for myself, and then speaking for mo probably most of the listeners, most of us are on social media. So I am still on social media. So here's what I wrestle with, and maybe you have some advice for us, is I don't feel led to 100% not be on social media. But how do we create those healthy boundaries? Like there's even a piece of me when I hear that those stats of it increases envy and depression. It makes me wonder, is the problem social media or is it me? You know, is this just showing what's actually in my heart and kind of bringing it to the surface? You know, um, mm. does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. I think it does. And I don't I'm not recommending that we all become monks. We can't do it. We live real lives. We got to stay in touch with the people we love and a lot of times we use it for work so here's what here's just some simple things i'm suggesting like turn your phone off at 8 p.m and and give yourself some room to just be at home without technology and when you wake up in the morning don't don't check your phone first thing like make a cup of coffee sit and look out the window say some prayers like give yourself a little bit of space these are small steps, but they're proving really huge in my life, and, and they're creating some margin again. I don't need to know what's happening in the world after 8 p.m. I just don't need that right before I go to bed. So create, create some healthy boundaries. Yeah, I love that. And what would you say to parents who have, I mean, I my husband and I kind of, we've talked about how just different, clearly different our childhood is versus our kids' childhood. And I mean, our daughter just turned 13, our oldest daughter. And man, we wrestled hard to keep her away from a phone. And I'm thinking at, at 13 years old that they already have access to all this stuff. You know, I'm like, I mean, we have, you know, and it's just crazy to me, so different. So from a parent's, you know, perspective, any, any tips on with kids walking them through this? Yeah, so so don't put a hard line down because you want to keep the relationship and you don't want the phone to become the war, right? Instead, what I'm recommending, some healthy boundaries, like some friends, like mealtime, that's a technology-free zone. Nobody gets to bring their phone to dinner, you know, and, and just some healthy boundaries around what time at night the phones go in a box in the kitchen and nobody takes their phone to their bedroom. 
would be a really good rule. Nobody takes their phone to their bedroom because, you know, when it's bedtime, it's bedtime or maybe you're reading or maybe you're, you know, listening to, to some music or something. So phones in a box in the kitchen, you can get it back in the morning. And But here's the bigger thing, Rachel, is that most of the kids that are spending way too much time on social media, it's because they're bored. Mm-hmm. You just find something your kid loves and that they would rather be doing. Mm-hmm. And so for some it's sports and for some it's music and for some it's crafts and building things, but find something that is more interesting to your child than social media. So that they're like, no, man, I'd rather I'm riding my bike. I'm going out or, you know, I'm going to dance class or they're, they're more excited about that. And therefore they're not bored and they're not on their phone, you know, nine hours a day. Yeah. That's such great advice. And I definitely know it starts with us as the parent setting the role model of what that looks like, what those healthy boundaries look like. And then it just trickles down for sure. So that's always a good conviction for me. You know, you mentioned in your book, obviously your whole book isn't about social media. That's just one of the things. And you talk about how we just were never intended to live the pace in life in which we all live. I mean, I even found myself over Christmas break, you know, we had nothing on the schedule and I was tempted to find something to put on the schedule because it's like, we're, our schedule's wide open. That's weird. What do I, what do we do with this? You know, it's almost, it's, it's weird to us when we have free time. So I guess the question in this, I would say is that, what do you feel like God's original design for us was when it comes to the way in which we should live our life? So here, here's a fascinating thing. I'll give a shout out for another podcast. I've been really enjoying the guys who do the Bible project, Tim and, and John. It's a really great, podcast. I was listening to their their series on Sabbath because I knew I need more Sabbath in my life. I need rest. I need rhythm. You know, there's times to go and there's times I need to stomp on the accelerator and it's meetings and phone calls and get to, you know, and that's okay. That's part of life. But what God designed was rhythm. And the, and here's the fascinating thing. So the word Sabbath in Hebrew is Shabbat. And what Shabbat actually means, it doesn't mean worship and it doesn't mean rest. It means stop. Mm. Just just stop. So when in your day and when in your week and when in your month and when in your year do you get to stop? And Stace and I, just this week, we've been, you know, working through our, our calendar for 2020 and you know, friends are asking for time and we've got some overseas projects we're involved in. And so we're looking at travel. And we normally go away for spring break and we do something, you know, Colorado's cold and by then you've had winter for about five months and you really want to get some sunshine. So we normally go somewhere warm in the spring, but I felt like there was no Shabbat. Mm. My, I, there was no stop in my year. I'm like, Stace, I love this travel, but I can't do it. I, my soul can't keep up. Mm. I am moving too fast. This year, we need to just simply stop. And so I'm looking for places, simple places in my day. And we'll talk about the app here in a second. And simple places in my week and simple places you know, in the year. Just when do you get to stop? Yeah. And just, just do nothing. Yeah. What does that look like for you, stopping and doing nothing? So like literally during my day, I realized I don't even stop during my day. Mm-hmm. I get up. And I go mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't stop going until bedtime. And, and if it's, you know, if it's not an email, it's a text, if it's a phone call or if I'm commuting, I'm listening to podcasts or, you know, 
boom, 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 boom. So here's what I'm doing now during my day is I set my phone to alert me at 10 and 2. And it just tells me to take a pause, literally just 60 seconds, just 60 seconds to stop and not do anything Mm -hmm. and kind of let it all go, like reset. And it has been the simplest, most wonderful healing practice in my life because it kind of gets in. And then I realize, oh, between phone calls, I just want to stop for a second, like hang up the phone. And before I make the next call, just stop. Yeah. Look out the window. Listen to the birds, right? Notice the sunlight coming through my kitchen. Just stop. Short little bits of that are proving to be really restoring to my soul. Yeah. So then, all right, so I'll give the shout out. So we built an app around it. Like I started doing it and then I started sharing it with my family and then I started sharing it with my team. We call it the one minute pause. And now at our offices at 10 and two monastery bells ring out Uh, and the whole staff stops and you might be on a phone call or in a meeting, super disruptive, but it's really playful and fun. You just explain to people, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to stop for a second because we need a Shabbat and the world doesn't do this. And so we built an app and it's called the one minute pause and it, and it guides you through either a 60 second or a three minute or a five minute, or even a 10 minute pause. And there's music and there's guided prayer, but it's just an opportunity to let your soul breathe. And if you create a little bit of space, the thing that I'm really after, Rachel, and I know I know you are too, I want God. Mm-hmm. I want more of God. I need more of him in my life. And, and if I am running and never stopping, I, I say hi to him in the morning, and I say goodnight to him at night, <laughs> like, that's nuts. And so the woman at pause is this opportunity to stop, pause, and just find God again. Like, let him back in, pay attention, you know, it's been really huge. Yeah. And you said you have the app. Is it working for you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to talk to you about that. So, yes, I downloaded the app and I have loved I, the biggest thing for me I've seen. I feel like it's actually helped me with overcoming anxiety as well, because when you in that one minute pause, is that your voice? Um, yes. You know, one of the yeah. first things you say and now it's just become something I'm repeating to myself. I give everyone and everything to you that has been really, like you said, obviously the stop part is helping me just to be more aware and, you know, to slow down and all of that. But it's also, it's almost like a pause in my day to go, wait, what am I carrying right now? Am I carrying that, you know, negative email that I just received? Or am I carrying this business, you know, thing I'm worried about? I mean, because it's interesting how we quickly pick up things that we weren't supposed to carry, then we need to put them back down. So it's almost for me, just also this reminder of, uh uh-oh, you know, I'm carrying something I'm not supposed to. I give everyone and everything to you, God. And I feel like it's such a honoring thing to God too, because I feel like God also has used this app to convict me of just how prideful really I had been living. Like you said, how prideful is it really for us to think that I could run through my day all by myself and I don't need you, God. You know, like you said, I can say hello in the morning and if a crisis arises, of course I'll stop, right? You know, because that's kind of how we tend to think. I mean, if I'm if I have a forced stop, if I'm forced to lay in bed because I'm, you know, down with the flu or something, okay, then I'll stop. But to just say, hey, I'm stopping just to honor you, God, just to 
you know, admit to you, I, I don't want to do this on my own. I, I want to connect to you. I want you to be part of my day too. I want you to come alongside me, not just wait for me at the end, <laughs> wait for me at the end when I get there. I want you to be right there with me as I go. So that has been really powerful. And there's been more than once where when it pops up on my phone, the reminder, it has been in the most perfect moment where I'm like, oh yeah, whew, okay. So yeah, it, those of you guys who are listening, you need to download the app. It's awesome. <laughs> Rachel, I, everything you just said, I think you're speaking for about 98% of the world right now, is that we, we don't want to live like this. We don't like what it's doing to us. We just need some help to, to stop. And then that part of it of letting it go. So there's a fun story with that, too. The last couple of years, I'd come to Jesus with a prayer. And I might be praying for my kids or for an upcoming trip or something going on. And he would say, he would say, give everyone and everything to me. And I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, thank you. That's good. Yes, Lord. Okay, now what I was talking about was, <laughs> and he would repeat it and he would say, give everyone and everything to me. And I didn't realize how much I was carrying. Mm. And I think this is a real danger actually for people who care is that, you know, the fires in Australia and the earthquakes in Puerto Rico and the latest shooting and, you know, the volcano in the Philippines and the crisis of the world, that's coming to us every day on our, on our mobile devices. This stuff piles up on the soul. Yeah. And then like your aging parents or your look, look for work or school. And Jesus is inviting us to do something really beautiful. He says, give everyone and everything to me. And what I love about the pause is a couple times a day, if I just stop and do that, I am a better person. I really am. Like somebody walks in my office, I'm much more present to them. It's not like, oh no, what do you want? You know, you're it's no hi, welcome. It's good to see you. It's I I am loving better and I'm listening better. And I'm also able to enjoy what God is bringing into my life. Before the podcast, we were talking about my love for eagles and for birds and hawks. And yesterday, I was just at my living room window practicing the pause, and this peregrine falcon flew by. I'm like, I would never have seen that. I would never even have noticed that unless I am learning to pause mm. and let it go. Let it go, John. Let it all go and just reset with God. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. And, you know, the other cool thing I've noticed when I'm doing that, you know, just put it, giving it back to him is big surprise. He actually takes care of it for me. So, you know, the thing I was going to hustle and try to fix, I was like, wait, let it go. Like God. And then, you know, a few hours later, again, email that the thing was that I was all worked up over is taken care of. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's the other reason we give things back to you. One, so I don't have to carry the anxiety and two, because you can deal with it. So thank you guys. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. So I don't have the exact quote in front of me in your book, but you talked in there. This one really got me fired up as well about how the percentage of time that we spend indoors versus outdoors. Can you tell us, oh, you know that? Oh my gosh. Yes. So this was the World Health Organization came out with this report, and this is 10 years ago now. Wow. So you, so you know it's worse. 
10 years ago, they said we spend 90% of our life indoors. Yeah. 90%. That includes your childhood. And you just think about that for a minute. You go, that's incredible. So if I live to be 100, I will have spent 90 of those years indoors. Like, that's nuts. That's and, sad. <laughs> and, well, and I think, especially because we understand that this beautiful world, like if you love the ocean or you love the desert or you love the mountains or you love your garden, like this beautiful world, that's the world our soul was made to flourish in. And when people go on vacation, think about where you want to go, you know? We pick beautiful places and we go do beautiful things, right? And, you know, it's swimming and biking and traveling and, you know, going to the cabin or it's because your soul feels better there. Mm -hmm. your, our soul was meant to thrive in creation and in all the beauty of it, you know, the sunrise and the, and the gentle breeze and, you know, lying on the beach or taking a run or, you know, and when you put your soul indoors for 90% of your life, it's like living, it's like living your whole life and you're wrapped in plastic wrap. Mm. Like you go numb, you, you start, and then, and, and okay, so here's the confession. I started noticing that I was turning to chocolate and caffeine, and I'll be honest, nicotine, to get me through my day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, why am I using this stuff to prop me up? Like, my soul must not be well, I, you know? And so I put in another simple practice in my day. I get up, I walk outside. Just walk outside. And, and sometimes I'll take the dogs for a walk, but if I don't have the time, I just walk around outside. I just notice what God is doing in the day and Oh, there are the songbirds, and whoa, there goes a hummingbird, and wow, look at that flower, and like letting beauty and life and creation back in my soul. And again, you don't, I'm not talking hours, gang, I'm talking five minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like letting nature heal your soul. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you even think about how the rise of depression and how just being out in the sun. It gives us that vitamin D, which helps and aid in not having depression. So you look at those stats and you go, wow, it's no wonder so many people battle depression and battle like all, all, you know, it's just, duh, you know, we, it, it just makes sense. And so what would you say, and you did talk about this some in your book, but to those who like myself, we live in the city. And when I walk outside, I hear cars and I hear, we live right by an airport. I f see air, you know, planes going by. What is a way for us to walk out and really, you know, engage in God's creation? Well, a couple thoughts. First off, bring creation into your apartment or into your house. Like get some plants in there, get some music, get beauty, because it's beauty that we're after. Beauty heals. And so you can bring it inside, flowers. But also, I've, I've lived in and worked in cities before, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, and there are parks there are places you can get. There are green spaces now. Like the world is becoming aware of this. And we're, we are becoming very conscious that people need that. And so when I was in D.C., there was a – you could eat on the roof of the office building I was in. They had some picnic tables there. So you go up to the 12th floor and you could go out. And I could at least feel sunlight. I could at least see what the day is doing. you know. And even if it was cold, like put a jacket on and just go out there and, and – you know. Again, five minutes. It's not a lot that we're looking for, but it's there and it's available. And also in the city thing, 
try early morning or late evening mm-hmm. because it, it gets quieter. Yeah, right? it does. And it does. And then you can step outside and look at the stars or you can step out in the very early morning and just listen to the quiet, super healing. Yeah, that's so good. You mentioned a little bit ago how you used to prop yourself up or you noticed that you were propping yourself up with things that would bring you relief, but not restoration. Can You talked about the difference between relief and restoration in the book. Can you explain that here a little bit? Yeah. So, so relief is medication. Relief is, you know, binge watching television or, you know, Netflix or whatever you're doing on YouTube. Relief is a bag of donuts. Mm -hmm. Relief is that extra glass of wine you shouldn't have. But restoration are, are the things that actually make you healthier. Like your soul is doing better and restoration is quieter. It's not as dramatic but you become a more loving person. So beauty restores, quiet restores, God restores, the presence of God restores, like music heals. This is a fascinating thing, by the way. So they did this research on hospital patients, and they discovered that um, people heal faster, leave the hospital sooner, and need less pain medication if they simply have a window Mm. on nature. If they can just look outside, isn't that amazing? Yeah. So that's rest. That's restoration. The medication is relief, and medication's necessary. And I'm not dissing it, but you know, if you find that you need all your meds, and, and now I'm talking about what are your addictions, right? Is it the Instagram? Is it sports? Is it coffee or alcohol or whatever? You know, if you find yourself needing more and more of your medicating, and you're feeling less better as a person, as a as a soul then what you need is restoration. Let's mm. see restoration. Psalm 23, he restores my soul. I want that. Yeah. I want, I want the restoring presence of God making me strong. And here's, here's kind of the big idea of the book. It's really simple, gang. This is a very difficult hour on the earth. It really is. The, the pace that's being required of us the amount of tragedy that we're aware of every day, the tsunami of media coming at us. It's just a very difficult time to be human. And living in an hour like this requires strong souls. Mm. It requires a life that is saturated with God. But here's the double bind. But living in an hour like ours is perfectly designed to keep that from happening. Everything about this world is distracting you, making you thin, pushing you into the shallows, and keeping you from finding more of God and having a strong soul. And so that's why I wrote the book. It's like, no way. Let's push back. Like, hey, I want God. I want my soul well so that I can handle this crazy moment that we live in. Yeah. That what you just said was a golden nugget. Um, I'm going to repeat it. You said living in an hour like this requires a strong soul. I almost feel like that's just a charge for us or like just that a wake up call of, hey, wake up, guys. Remember, you know, and that's what I I honestly feel like this book and this message that you're delivering, it did for me. And I, I believe it's going to do for so many people is it's really just that awareness. You know, I think that because we all go, like you said, at that breakneck pace and we're just constantly going, we don't even have self-awareness to know what does my soul even need? What does restore me? Because I don't know that 
any two people are the same and how we're restored. Right. And right. we're, we're also not the same in, in what we, you know, reach to for the relief. Like you said, some people it's social media, some people it's, you know, caffeine or something different and there's no one cookie cutter answer. But the biggest thing I see is just a wake up call to become more self-aware which is why I also, again, love the the app that you guys created to go with this because it is like my wake up call of, wait, what are we doing? You know, it's like it snaps you out of your little, you're hypnotized for a moment, you know, just go, doing your robotic thing. We're just going to go through life and then wait, no, no, no. You've got to, as believers for such a time as this, we have got to rise up and take that challenge and say, no, me, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord, you know, and so thank you for starting that and for, for the ripple effect that that's going to have on our generation. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's going to help a lot of folks. Yeah. What do you feel like, I know we're kind of coming to an end here, so I've got just a couple more questions for you and we'll wrap up. What do you think has been the biggest difference for your soul and your relationship with God in this whole process of obviously you've done it yourself, now you've written a book on it. What do you feel like has been the biggest game changer for you? I think he's rescued me from a lot of things that I didn't know I had an option not to do. Mm, mm. Like as, as, I, as I have found my life with God again, and as I'm making some space for my soul and for him, he's able to speak to me and say, you know what, you actually don't need to take that trip. Mm. Or, you know, that crisis that someone's reaching out to you is what you said earlier, Rachel. I got it. Jesus is like, I got it. You don't even need to worry about that. I have them. And so I'm finding that I'm carrying less and and I'm doing less of what I thought was absolutely necessary. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I got to do this. And it's been really beautiful. And, and I hope, I hope the effect is that I am more present to the people in my life. I can say this, I I am enjoying my grandchildren without needing to check my phone. Mm, And I really, I like that. I like that. That's like a symptom or a a sign, you know, a healthy indicator that I can just be present to the people that I love. Yeah. And what a gift that is to them too, because now when they look back on their time with you, they won't remember a grandfather who was always on his phone, you know, and never looked at me in the eye when he was playing with me. He, they will remember and engaged, you know, and that yes. is, that is, that yes. literally changes generations. I mean, you can't say it any other way than that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. My final question to you is this, what encouragement do you have for those who, when we talk about slowing down anxiety or fear rises up in them because they go basically the FOMO, fear of missing out, comes over them. What's going to happen if I slow down, if I pull back, if I take time for me, you know, and and restore my soul? Can you speak to that, to those feelings that might be arising in some people listening today? Paul prays for us that we would be rooted and grounded in love. And the encouragement I have for you is that you you will find the love of God. Mm. And and you will be so settled in it that you'll be okay. You're going to be okay. And I was just misinterpreting a bunch of stuff. Why didn't we get invited to that, to that party? Why, why didn't that person email me back? I was really getting wound up in relational stuff. And, and as my heart is becoming more saturated with love, with the love of God, I'm okay 
I, I can see the drama for what it is and not get like baited by it, you know, like you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine because you're going to be in love. That's so good. You're going to be okay because you're going to be in love. I love that. And, you know, one other thing I just want to thank you for, John, is I just want to thank you for being vulnerable and being real with us about the fact that you didn't write this book from up on a high pedestal looking down at us peasants of, you all need to get yourselves in shape. You wrote it from in the trenches with us going, hey, this I saw this in myself. God's been working on me. This is what worked for me. Now I'm just sharing it with you. And I feel like that's the other thing that makes this message so powerful in, you know, something that is attainable even because we go, wow, you know, you're somebody that a lot of us look up to in ministry and as a leader and everything, yet you're here saying, hey, this is a real thing and and here's how we overcome. So thank you for that. (laughs) Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. Thanks for the realness of your podcast. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you again for taking time to come on. Definitely before we go, can you tell people where the best place, because you're not on social media, right? (laughs) <laughs> a little bit. I actually have a team that kind of helps me do that. So okay. you can find you can find John and Stacy Eldridge on Facebook. Okay. But if you just if you just Google John Eldridge, it'll take you to get your life back, and it'll take you to our website for our ministry and and some of the things that we're doing. Yeah, yeah. What is the boot camp that you do for the men? Oh yeah, right. So we do a Wild at Heart four day. Okay. experience for men. Yep. We call it Wild at Heart Boot Camp. We do it mostly here in Colorado. And then there's a four-day experience for women that Stacy leads called Captivating. Okay. And those are super healing experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And I had him bring that up because my husband has been to that and it was absolutely life-changing for him. And I need to get out to the, the women's one now myself. So <laughs> yeah, thank you for you doing do. this. All right, John. Well, it was so fun talking with you, and I can't wait for the listeners to hear our conversation. Thank you, Rachel. Great to talk to you. Wasn't that conversation I had with John both relevant and timely for the days in which we're living? I urge you to download the free One Minute Pause app and get his new book, Get Your Life Back. Don't forget to stay in the loop on the show and be entered to win free goodies by just texting the phrase Real Talk Giveaway, that's all one phrase, to the number 44222 on your cell phone. I randomly select winners from the guest books and just by being on that list, you are entered to win. All right, friends, that's all for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.